Um, what did you think of JCB anyway? It's good. You very much put me on the spot. I think it's a it's a great experience. I understand why people get excited about it. Very nice touch, isn't it? That golf towel with your name printed into it. It's quite it's quite a nice touch. The clubhouse is epic, isn't it? I think, I think it's really really good. And I loved the opening hole. That really that really got me off to um, a good start with it. I liked a couple of the par threes, the eighth, the 17th, the one everyone talks about. It's really, really good. But I struggled around it. It was like way too hard for me. And the reasons for that were, I wasn't quite sure where I was hitting it a lot of the time. I, d I don't think some of the angles off the tee were clearly defined. I mean, maybe maybe if they put some marker posts in there, that would, um, you know, like on a blind shot, that's what some clubs do, don't they? they put a marker post in which at least gives you a direction of travel and the greens were just way beyond my capability I mean they were ten and a half they were running really quick it was really windy and I just couldn't put anywhere on them at all yeah but, they were, but the turf was outstanding wasn't it I mean like middle of October turf was epic yeah so we were there for uh, uh, an NCG or sports publications uh, team day out so we're like Players of varying abilities, should we say? Very um, varying when it comes to me. Very varying form as well. Uh, Mark, who's the general manager, is a good friend, and he was sort of kind enough to host us. And I think I'm, I think I've, that was maybe my fourth trip or something of that nature. I've never played it in winds like that. Um, I think it's one thing you'd say about it is that it's like nothing else in this country. Um, Absolutely. So we've played, you, people will have played the Grove or played the London Club or um, Centurion, I guess. Um, but I don't think there's anywhere where the, the green complexes are quite like they are at JCB. Um, and there are sort of two or three um, sort of standout holes in terms of uh, sort of wow factor, aren't there? The 17th Island hole. Um, so yeah, it's a very special place to visit, right? As in, you feel like you're somewhere that's a cut above, um, and the golf, particularly in that wind, was pretty exacting. That is a good way of describing it. Treacherous, it was in my in my <laughs> case. The, the the only the only place I could think of where I thought the greens were similar was Castle Course. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I thought you were going to say Castle Stewart because they they are funky as well. Um. But there's like there's so many different sections to them, like massive runoffs. Um, yeah, I think they've got designs to have a sort of Ryder Cup or a tour event, and it sort of feels like that kind of place, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I understand why pros really like it because if you're if you're an accurate hitter, it sort of speaks to you a bit, doesn't it? I am not an accurate hitter, um, and so I found myself a bit lost in places like trying to know trying to know where to hit it and you know that rough is punishing as well it doesn't look particularly deep but it's ball hiding um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if you're a bit off track you know you can come down to a green you can spend two or three minutes having a hunt for it because you don't know where it where it's gone yeah. but if you're hitting if you're hitting really long good long shots if you're hitting accurate irons and you're a good putter that place will speak to you in a major if way you're, it, if I you're think. good at golf <laughs> but, the, but to be fair to them that's what it's designed for isn't it i mean big competitions right yeah yeah feels like that an, an enormous amount of dog legs so like huge premium on um being able to carry the ball a long way through the air gives you like a big advantage 
but yeah it's i think it's about as kind of pga tour ready as it gets in this country i would have said yeah there's a thousand more the thousand more yards from the tees we played off are they crikey it was long enough for me i mean six six and a half in that wind was long enough for me i mean it was beyond me it was beyond me but i but i really enjoyed the experience of it it was great to go and and even better to know that you know not many people have the opportunity to go do they it's pretty it's pretty hard to get on yeah well it's it kind of um jcb customers and guests only plus some a few a small amount of corporate members i think and they they do make you feel special there i think they yeah. do they do that customer service side really really well i think it's uh it got our resident plus handicapper back in a box didn't it who started off off the yellow tees and then shuffled forward did she the red tees yeah so how, all, ability, how... all ability tees only suit her when she can uh when she's going when she's going well you're not getting me on that i'm, I'm not I, i'm wise enough not not to step into that trap ability tees for all tom how's your golf been this year anyway mine has been if my if my golf were the british economy we'd all be destitute the pensions oh. would have gone we'd all be like out on the we'd out on the, we'd be out on the street with begging bulls i started this year as a single figure handicapper i'm now basically a mid handicapper so i've uh, yeah i think i'm possibly in the same camp i sort of last summer I reached the dizzy heights of final stage open qualifying, had some scores in the 60s, and then WHS like hammered my handicap. So my index is currently plus 1.4, and it's just every single round is a struggle. I was looking on the uh, England Golf app the other day, and I'm, I'm, I've got one more round before I need to start getting some counting ones, and it's not pretty. I think I'm not sure I've had a score in the 70s for the last six, and I'm about to get into a run of scores in the 60s so there's a big swing coming i haven't had many score in the 80s i'm afraid it's been uh, it's been well, i am consoled by the fact that so i joined york golf club about a year ago and i'm consoled by the fact that apparently everybody who joins there their handicap gets worse because you go from somewhere that's i've gone from somewhere that's very wide open to somewhere that's very very tight and that that has that has been um yeah my ego's not not had many chances to shine this year yeah uh, and just putting a round together is so hard i like i played um in a competition at woodley uh, on saturday two saturdays ago and i went out in 31 and i came back in 46 so that's not the best is it 31 though crikey yeah but 46 is a lot of swings yeah, that in, uh, in fairness though i mean that is a lot of swings but that is a hard back nine apparently i've got gout though so i'm blaming gout i thought like i thought only kings got gout oh yeah medieval Thanks. kings at that have you been eating have pigeon I, pie and i've had a drink since the open don't eat meat and now i've got gout I feel like i mean that's like geriatric stuff isn't it <laughs> there's, a, there's a sign there get on the booze and get back on the meat yeah. Anyway, so this competition I played in Oldley was a Stableford, even though it was off the white tees. So we have um, we've got uh, we've got f- uh, five sets of tees. Is that right? We've got green tees, which are sort of seniors, junior type tees that are a long way forward, about five thousand yards, which is quite good fun actually. And we've got red tees, which are I think about five seven, five eight, something of that nature. 
we've got yellows at about six 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 and a half and then we've got whites at just under seven thousand and some blues that nudge it over seven thousand so white teas are sort of about as um they're sort of i think they're once a month white tea comps um and we only use the blues twice a year anyway white teas have always been medal um so you sort of look forward to the white tea medal you get an extra par five for a start um and it's always sort of felt like a decent opportunity to um post a flattering score shall we say uh and it's too much for a lot of the sort of yellow tea have a go heroes but i would leave for reasons i'm not sure what the reasons are and i'm not saying i'm against it but they've decided to make the majority of the competition stableford's even some of these white tea comps um and it's it's an interesting move like we don't have a we don't have a particularly big playing membership we've only got 250 um male members in total and about 70 women so and of those i don't know maybe half play with any degree of regularity and if we in a in a white tea comp or yellow tea comp the the entry is probably about 40 sometimes 60 maybe for a big yellow tea comp um so i'm not sure it's really a pace of play argument i think the argument is more that people are put off by a medal so they've turned it to Stableford to try and get some more people playing um but it's certainly an interesting thing um obviously there's this whole kind of shift to try and make golf more enjoyable get people more people playing more regularly um it does seem a shame that it's sort of the death of medal to an extent yeah i do think it's i think this is trend's been going on for quite a while hasn't it I think we've shifted much more towards Stableford, certainly in the last, you know, I've been playing a couple of decades, you've been playing since you were small. Um, I've never been so, small, Stapleford. Um, so we've, we've definitely seen a shift from metal to Stableford. Uh, in my course, we've got, I mean, like a not very well attended competition has 150 in it. Um, a very well attended competition can have t- over 200. So I understand why they would move more towards Stableford because pace of play is a massive issue there you need to get people around and and medals i i love medal i think it's the purest form of the game it's the game i'd like to play the most it might surprise you a mid handicapper saying that because you'd think it'd actually have more fun in stableford but i think medal separates the wheat from the chaff in a way that stableford doesn't my, I, i'm not a massive fan of it i think stableford am i going to say this yeah i think stableford rewards failure um, you know the the what is the what is the essence of golf? The essence of golf is to put the ball in the hole, and here you've got a competition where you can actually not put the ball in the hole and still win, because you can have a blob or you can have a couple of blobs, and if you play well enough for the rest of the competition, you can win. So I think controversial here. I think that format of competition favours a certain type of player who has a handicap in the mid to the high side. I, I think it's if you're a scratch player, like why would you play in a stableford? It's practically impossible to win it. You'd have to shoot a course record, Tom, to win a stableford. Well, so what where the birth of stable the stableford's from Wallasey, right? They are the home of Stableford. What's his name? Frank, Frank stableford. B. Stableford. Yeah. Um and the story goes that um he was playing the second hole at Wallasey, which is kind of in posse hole, one of these holes that you sort of you know, never make anything less than a double on. It's an enormous kind of dogleg left to right 
I can't remember how long it is, 450 odd yards. Uh, obviously, it's Lynx course, always windy into the prevailing wind. Um, and he was so sick of um, racking up a number or running out of balls or not being able to finish off the second that he basically devised an entirely new format, which enabled him just to continue with his round uh, and still um, have some way of tracking um, how he played. And Stableford was born. Um, so like the, the sort of, I guess the spirit of it is that uh, amateur, we're all amateur golfers, we're not professional golfers, right? Yeah. Um, and we are, we, we are going to have the occasional hole legs. We are going to have the occasional sort of apparition where we just don't complete a hole because we can't find a ball. We can't bother walking back to the tee or we've topped it in a lake or for whatever reason. And rather than sort of continuing the embarrassment, it gives us a way of kind of continuing with our, with our pastime. So I think my my complaint about this is not so much with the format itself. It's that what you, what you were saying at the start of, of of this argument is that the competitions become ubiquitous. You know, it's like nearly every comp you play now is like this. You might only have one medal a month and half a dozen stablefords within a month. So I saw I I think I could handle it a bit more if if it wasn't nearly every competition that you played. If it was a, if if there was more of a, a a mix of it, and there was that opportunity for people who could actually get the ball in the hole on every hole to be rewarded for that, and then there were also these competitions, I'd feel a bit less strongly about it. But it just it just feels to me like the calendar is littered with these sort of tournaments for the reasons that that you outlined earlier on. That people think that we need to get more people involved, we need to have more people playing competitions, and this is the kind of competition they want to play because it's more fun. I accept that no one likes hitting double figures on a hole. I don't like hitting double figures on a hole, but isn't there isn't I, I've I've won very few tournaments um, in my but the ones I'm most proud of are the ones like the medals where right it was the purest form of the game. It was you know I put together a really good score. Blobs weren't involved, three points weren't involved. I've got an idea. Here's what I would do with Stableford, right? I would dock you a point if you fail to complete. So that is a that is not a bad shout. A sort of halfway house with format, but the I guess it sort of speaks to like a sort of the game sort of softening around the edges, doesn't it? Um, and with the sort of drive for increased participation, more players playing more often. Um, we're trying to make the game more fun and more equitable i guess that is that is the idea is they're trying to a constant level of the playing field so um the new handicap system is bringing in players uh who are sort of earlier on in their golf career so we now have a 54 handicap we used to start at 36 um we've now got a um a course rating system and a playing handicap system which i think favors the sort of mid to high handicapper and we've certainly got a handicap adjustment in match play at 90% or 95% that favours the high handicapper. Um, so I guess this kind of like trying to make the game more equitable is is the intention here, right? It's to try and sort of um, for the more, try and make it more fun for the moderate player, give the more moderate player a, a chance to, to win more often. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Like, I'm not. In what other sport are you kind of like discouraged from getting better? Is what I would say. 
Yeah, I mean, I used to play snooker um, to league level, and there was handicaps there. So you had a handicap for snooker, points handicap. So um, the, the the best players were basically plus, and the worst players were minus. And it could be plus twenty eight, minus twenty eight. So you know, a very top player could in the league come up against a very lowly player and have fifty six points to make up. And what happened was players got sick of it. The top yeah. players were sick of it because it was just, you know, you'd come up against someone who was improving and you, you, they they just wouldn't have a chance. And I think it's a it's an you've got to find a balance. I agree with that. You've got to find a balance between golf being fun and it and it yet still being a challenge. Right. Like We can't make it too easy, can we? Otherwise, if something's if something's that easy, if it's that easy to win, if we make it that easy to win, what's the point of doing it? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Things are changing, though, pretty rapidly. Like if you think about the sort of formality of a, a competition day back in the day, card and pencil, and everything's on the line from the very first tee shot onwards, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like old Woodley has an out of bounds down the left. And when you're playing in the medal, that out of bounds feels like it encroaches because you know that your day can be ruined from shot one. Yeah. Um. And I'm like, I don't know where I am on that. I mean, maybe I'm softening around the edges as I get older. If we'd have this conversation 10 years ago, I would have said, like, I just don't want to bother with Stableford. Even, like, I'm even thinking about a golf trip that we, me and Dan used to go on. Um, and we played uh, this sort of horrendous, attritional Stableford format um, over the course of, like, six or seven rounds in, like, for four or five days or whatever. And it was like, it was last man standing stuff. Um I think we most of those trips were played off stick end, um, and it used it used to annoy. So I'm like a horrible grinder of a golfer. My sort of whole sort of mo is like I don't get much worse, don't get many doubles, but I often will rack up bogeys. Dan's sort of the opposite, where he'll have a sort of lot of birdies, but he'll also have the occasional nine. Um, and it used to sort of secretly make me seethe on these trips that I would be grinding away for one point he'd have had like 14 swings and he's i've only beaten him by one on that hole totally totally unfair in my view it used to make me very mad actually and on a similar note we used to he we had this thing called bush drops like so you know it's like the new out of bounds rule um so stroke and distance is obviously a very penal penalty but if you're if you're playing properly to use your words then that's how you want it right that you shouldn't be able to hit it out of bounds then just drop it by the bush or drop it by that white line um, so we used to have this bush rule where if you sort of both agreed that your ball was probably in a bush, even though you didn't find it, you could just chuck one down next to it and add one on. And that used to make me mad as well. Because it's like, how's that fair? Um, and again, like Dan's, uh, will often play five or six holes like a tour pro and then hit one off the planet. So this bush rule, I always felt massively benefited him. I'm sure that he would tell you that it benefited me on occasion. But I think that this sort of, the idea of every sh every stroke counting is like one of these things that is it's like properly unique to golf right but loads of us um like i can never get into tennis because the second serve just like just the strangest thing in the world that you get another go um and i would yeah up until recently i would have argued really strongly that stableford was kind of reducing golf to that sort of level where it doesn't really matter get another go on the next hole um, but that's not what an 18-hole medal is all about. It's about an accumulation of the best score you can get, right? Um, 
so yeah it's a it's it's a strange thing because I, I think i would be a, a huge advocate of um lots of things that um we're trying to do as a game to make the game more enjoyable more equitable so shorter courses less rough um this kind of thing um and the new handicap system um but I, I don't know I, I think i'm with you on this sort of stable for point but the, the new handicap system it, it sort of speaks to this as well doesn't it yeah, as yeah. in like you used to be grinding away for your point one and now it doesn't really matter does it and i think that some of my argument about Stableford has been exacerbated by the World Handicap System, which a lot of people think intrinsically favours high handicappers. I, I don't know the evidence for that, but we've all heard, haven't we? And we've all seen enough tweets of people complaining about 50 point scores in Stablefords um, and that increasing even further since the since the new World Handicapping System went in, which I mean, World, world Handicap, punished you it didn't punish me it gave i'd played poorly so it gave me a load more shots back but generally speaking there's there's obviously there's obviously ups and downs within it but generally speaking the lower you were the more likely you were to stay the same or get shots lopped off and the higher you were the more likely you were to get more shots so if you've got more shots with a format that favors potentially people with more shots then it shouldn't be a surprise should it that people with more shots win Stableford. That's, people will be ripping me all over social media now for saying that, but it's what, it's, a lot it's, of, just, it's what a lot of people think, isn't it? It's just a very strange thing. So I've played um, five five competition rounds since May, so that's not very many, is it? Uh, it says here I had 106 on May the 14th. I presume I didn't have my card in, so they've just comically given me nine on every hole. And then my scores have been 76, 77, 78, 81, or in old money, four lots of point one. Um, yeah. But I haven't, my handicap hasn't moved. Um, so I'm still sort of off, off this falsely low um, plus handicap. Um, don't, but those, don't but, those, but one, one good round. So I'm about to, about to, I've got one more round till I'm back into counting rounds. But one good round, and all of that's forgotten, isn't it? Don't shoot all your world handicap system arrows in one in one go. We'll get on to world handicap system on another podcast. Well, I know, but, but, I, take, but I take the point. It's the same. It's the same sort of theory, isn't it? Like like in Stableford, one hole doesn't matter. In the world handicap system, one round doesn't matter. Whereas in the olden days, everything mattered. Yeah. Um. And I'm not. I don't know what it's doing for the sort of quality of golf, really, because like I, every medal round, you would if you if you sort of were close to your handicap you'd be wondering what the buffer zone was going to be you'd be desperately trying to save that point one um and it was like for me that was like all all part of it um, it depends what your mo is in golf isn't it what's your mo in golf is it to be as low as it can possibly be or is it to win competitions if your mo in golf is to win competitions pick up pots and prize money there's absolutely no incentive now to get low because because you can't because you can't compete. So you, there's a sweet spot I think now between sort of fourteen to sixteen and twenty two, and obviously the highs the, the very highs will win as well. But their golf is much more erratic, so they'll either be brilliant and come down, or they'll be off the planet in terms of score. But if you're a steady golfer around sort of sixteen to twenty two, you can do 
damage in competitions now off that handicap and particularly in Stableford, I think, which is, you know, if you have the odd blob, you've still got, if you're a decent hitter of a golf ball, which a lot of mid handicappers are, right? Yeah, equipment helps that, obviously. Then, then you can sort of have your, your your odd one here and still win. Whereas in a medal, that's it. Some day off, day over. It's a, I mean, yeah, but I mean, another podcast topic. So don't tell me off again. Is the handicap system full stop? Right. Yeah. It's just an odd like we have this notion that some people are trying to win competitions, um, and it's very competitive golfer versus golfer. In most other individual sports that you, you you do as an amateur, it's just you versus yourself. So the people who enter the London Marathon are not entering to win it, are they? They're entering it because they like running and they're trying to beat the time they did last time. Yeah. Um. Or London Marathon is probably too an extreme example, but like your average sort of ten k or or in cycling a sportive, you don't you don't turn up with any sort of designs on winning. You turn up because you want to do better than you did last time. Um. And it. Golf is golf is not necessarily like like you say. Some people play because they're using the handicap the handicap index as a um, as a measure of their own progress or their own ability at any given time. But a lot of people are playing because they want to win competitions. Um, and th- this sort of desire for equitableness through things like Stableford, I'm not sure if it's it's kind of counterproductive because it's just kind of breeding this kind of um, handicap protecting mentality because there used to be i'm not saying this was a good thing but but there used to be levels right that you had to go to so you couldn't play in a competition until you were an x handicap for example you couldn't play in a union event until you were an x handicap you couldn't there were there were stages to go through weren't there whereas i sort of feel now we've, we've kind of gone the other way where we've basically gone 54 crack straight on yeah 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 um but i mean so a quick i think you're sort of saying that stableford is kind of sort of a dumbing down of the sport i, I, I like it. the format I, I i i like the format occasionally i don't like the format every game you play that's i think that's what i'm trying to say you know i, I because i because i think it favors a certain type type of golfer and i think if every competition is that because we want to get more people playing. We know they'll play that competition and it is admittedly more fun than a medal. It is. Um, but then where does where does your proper golfer, Tom, like you, win your competitions if that's what you want to do? But I mean, yeah. The winning competitions thing I think is weird. Like I've never really understood that. No, but but some people, but some low handicappers do want to do that, don't they? I yeah, see I know they do. Yeah. Page, they say no point in me entering a competition because I can't, I can't, uh, I can't compete in it and I can't win it. I suppose the alternative answer to, the, to that is we'll put a general play card in. You don't have to enter yeah. the competition, do you, to to put a card in for handicap? No, I mean this the general play thing is very strange like there's just countless stories in there of people um a, a lot of people i think have uh, falsely decreased in the handicap by just picking and choosing what they submit and what they don't submit and i just don't know how you do anything about that particularly yeah. well we definitely um, should get onto that the stable, the, sta- that. the stable for thing i sort of feel like you kind of like kind of you like 
taking me back a few years and like I could sort of feel my testosterone levels rising again. Um, you're right. It's just bollocks, isn't it? Basically, it's not. It's like, yeah. When we if you are a low handicapper trying to play Stableford, it does feel like in a medal, if you make a couple of bogeys, you feel like you've still got a chance because if you grind your way back to level par or thereabouts, that's not going to be far off. Um, and if that happens in Stableford, you know, in your heart of hearts, you've got no chance. Mid table and yeah, you, you know, I mean, how many board comps are Stableford's? That tells you all you need to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We used to have a couple of absolutely epic uh, Stableford comps when I was a kid. The Tathwell Trophy at Louth was absolutely amazing. Have I told you about this before? I'm going to tell no, you. Oh, go on. I swear to you, this is the best, still the best golf competition in the country. Uh, so I think it's where the IPL got its idea from, actually. So we, it's called the Tathwell Trophy, and it was the opening, uh, opening major of the season, of which there were four. There was the Grimsby 101, the Club Championship, and the Tathwell Trophy, and uh, the Kettle Plate were the four majors, right? And the Tathwell Trophy was the first one, so it had sort of Masters Augusta vibes about it uh and when i was a kid there was like maybe 15 of us who all sort of um playing golf when we were 14 15 16 all started drinking too early golf club was home we all were coming down handicaps tumbling every summer kind of stuff um so every year in the tough i mean i'm probably talking about two years basically but it feels like it went on for like a decade so every year it felt like one of us was a favorite to win the tathwell trophy and on the saturday night before the competition on Sunday, they had a player auction. Um, so the way it worked is that people formed syndicates. So you'd have like groups of six or seven members who would um, pull their funds and then they would auction off the players. And it was obviously in the days before anyone was really asked about drink driving. Um, so it's like a big deal at the golf club, like the bar will be packed. It was like quite a lot of banter if people were going for like no money. All of the kids, all of the juniors used to go for like 200, 300 quid. Um, and the way then the next day you or you paid your entry for money like normal and you won vouchers to the pro shop like you would in normal comp. But you also, as the player, got half of the pot that um, had gone into the kitty from the auction the night before. So the syndicate won half and the player won half. And that was a Stableford. And that definitely favoured juniors because they would be like flying around, making four birdies, blob a couple of holes. But they had so many shots, it didn't matter. We used to win it every year. Um, and it was then just like the best night out on the town ever because someone had won 300 quid in the Tathwell and off we'd all trail into town in our suits like you did in those days. Um, so, that, I mean, that was very fond memories of a stable competition, should we say. But I do think it kind of backs up your argument that for a junior golfer who's going to have the occasional 10, it doesn't matter, does it, if you've got 18 shots and you're far better than an 18 handicapper. Gambling with youths. Wow, you'd never get away with that now. Well, it wasn't just that. It was underage drinking, definitely drink driving, definitely gambling, probably winning cash, probably broke our amateur status. But it was a good laugh. Oh, dear. Um, anyway, speaking of rules, uh, we're going to have a rules section on this podcast, aren't we? Um, we are, because I get billions of emails, most of which I never answer because I would basically spend my life doing so. But there are some emails that I get that 
maybe wouldn't appear in the column, but that they deserve to be discussed. So we're going to we're going to do them each week on this podcast. Yeah. So uh, so Steve is a fully qualified RNA rules official. Um, is there like levels like FA badges? Yeah, I'm not allowed to call myself an RNA rules official. Um, they're very, they're, they're, yeah, but but I am I am level three. I've passed a level three exam in the rules of golf administered by the RNA, which is the oh, highest level. No I did, more I levels. I know. I'm, I'm being a bit. I'm being a bit. Um, I'm being a bit. Um, what's the word? I'm looking for. I'm not bigging myself up enough here. I I I smashed it. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you know your stuff when it comes to rules the only thing you're lacking i guess is experience right but yeah yeah um i passed passed the level two just as the pandemic hit Uh, so and like i mean i went to st andrews and did the level two we got locked down the next week um so refereeing opportunities have been um well, we didn't play a lot. Of, we didn't play a lot of competition golf for a while, did we? And then I did no, the really. level three in May, and I did what have I done since? Open regional qualifying at Woodley. That was good. We've just done the PGA Four Ball Championship for a day. Did you um, do that was the good. NCG Top One Hundreds Tour? I did not because it was um, it was on Monday. <laughs> too busy for that. It was too busy. Uh, too and then so, and Steve and Steve writes regular. Uh, features on national club golfer um about rules common rules queries or letters that we get in and so we thought on this podcast we would discuss some of these rule queries and we've had one this week which is particularly fussy um from a lady called jean barrow we don't know where jean plays do we we don't do you think jean or mind is calling her out on this podcast perhaps not hopefully she'll listen maybe can point her in the direction of this podcast when you reply to her anyway also yeah Jean has been telling us that her friend has been disqualified from uh, Tuesday comp for not putting the date on her scorecard. Jean doesn't think they can do that. And this is this is a particular bugbear of the of mine. This committees, some committees overreaching their responsibilities. And I get I actually get quite a lot of emails about this kind of behaviour. We're going to do this in two bits. We're going to go through the rule and then we'll go through the committee procedures because they're they're they both back each other up. But rule 3.3b, there's a massive diagram in the Rules of Golf book, actually, that shows you what player responsibilities are. And rule point rule 3.3b says that players' responsibilities are gross score along with their marker, sign it, put your handicap on it. That's it. Name, committee's responsibility. Date, committee's responsibility. Totals, committee's responsibility net score committee's responsibility now the committee can ask you as a player if you wouldn't mind giving them a hand but they can't disqualify you under rule 3.3b for not doing that in the committee procedures which i would beg committees to read um, if they're actually dushing out rules of golf rulings and penalties in the committee procedures under a bit that says requesting players to provide other information on scorecards it says the committee may request that players assist the committee by completing scorecard related tasks that are the committee's responsibility the committee must not apply a penalty to a player under the rules of golf if he or she fails to comply with those requests or makes a mistake in doing so Right. So where have, but, you, where have you just read that passage from? Sorry. So that's in the that's in the committee procedures, which are contained in the official guides to the rules of golf, the big 500 page book. 
Now, right. committees can committees can give out a disciplinary sanction for a player who repeatedly fails to comply with a request. So the committee can ask you, put specific details on your scorecard, name, date, name of the competition. They are allowed to do that. And if you basically like toss it off and never do it, they can they can sanction you, but you can't be DQ'd under the rules of golf for not providing the information that they want on their scorecard. Is there any advantage what is there anything that where Gene's friend could have been seeking an advantage by not putting a date on? Like, I don't really understand that there's no advantage to be gained by not dating your scorecard, is there? No. People, I've, I've seen people DQ'd for not putting the T's on. I've seen people DQ'd for not putting the finishing time on. I've There are loads of weird and wild things that golf clubs and golf committees can do but i would just implore them to look at 3.3b because it, it there's a big as i said earlier on there's a big graphic which lays out quite clearly what a committee's responsibilities are and what a player and marker's responsibilities are when it goes further like there's an interpretation to rule 3.3 that says players are required only to enter scores on the scorecards you can't even you can't even dq a player for not putting the score in on a computer you can ask him to do it. Yeah. But you can't you can't impose a penalty under the rules and using that rule, which is so you're disqualifying someone, that's what you're doing. You sorry, can't, you can't sorry, do just, it. just sorry, on the uh, electronic thing. So yeah. are you saying that in the rules of golf, you have to submit a paper scorecard then? No. So there's a difference. There's a difference there. Um, so rule rule 3.3, the interpretation talks about a difference requiring players to enter around into a computer and being required to enter scores using an electronic form of scorecard that's approved by the committee. So there is a, there is a difference there. But if you're all if you're all like filling in scorecards, paper scorecards, and you're asked to put the score into the computer afterwards, which obviously lots of people are. You can't be you can't be you can't have a penalty imposed on you under 3.3b for not doing that so as long as you put your card in the box you don't necessarily have to duplicate that by putting this computer you're just saving the pro a job basically yeah now if they ask you to do if the committee asks you to do it it's exactly the same as i was talking about earlier the committee asks you to do it and you say no i'm not doing it and you repeatedly fail to do it then they can sanction you under yeah, yeah. conduct but that's more like just club etiquette kind of thing isn't it yeah and that and that's the difference i don't know if i've explained this very well no i um, think you have explained it very well um so, I mean, this is it's funny thing, isn't it? Because, again, when we were growing up and it was all medal golf, the business of the scorecard was incredibly formal, wasn't it? You had to yeah. write your handicap on, your exact handicap. Um, you would go to great pains to like, total it up correctly. Um, and the, there's an awful lot. This feels to me that a DQ for an incorrectly completed card is a pretty regular occurrence. Um, so is it can you be DQ'd for signing for a score that is too high? No. You can't. No, you've just you, you, the, the score counts. So, I, one, so if I've so, gone if I've gone round in 75 and I've for wh whatever reason I've signed for 76 and my playing partner has marked me as, or sorry, in my marker column I've got 75 strokes, but I've signed for a 76. How does that work? You're saying it's actually the individual hole scores. If the individual yeah. hole scores are wrong, the score counts at the higher number. Yeah. So 
this is 3.3b3, which is wrong score for a hole. Um, and what it says is if a player returns a scorecard with a wrong score for any hole, says return score higher than the actual score, the higher return score for the hole stands. And if it's lower, or no score returned. Obviously, we're taking out Stableford and stuff like that here. We're talking about we're talking about stroke play. Return score that is lower than the actual score, then the player is disqualified. There is an exception to that. Um, it gets a bit complicated. It's if you fail to include an unknown penalty. Um, but from what you're talking, purely from what you're talking about, higher return score for the whole, it stands lower return score in your gross score disqualified well i'm hoping um, that's going to help gene and a friend yeah it's good really good um so i think what we're going to try and do on the, on this uh weekly pod is we're going to do a deep dive into something we think uh is niggling golfers so today we've obviously talked about stable food which really really does wind steve up um one so one big topic which we reserve the right to talk in uh far too much depth about and then we're going to try and analyse one of uh, a reader's rules queries, as we have done with Gene's friends DQ today. Um, it's a club golf podcast, so we're, I guess we're trying to create content that is appealing to the club golfer and stuff that you're talking about up and down the country in, in 19th holes. Um, massively helps us if you subscribe to our podcast. Um, we seem to do much better on all platforms apart from Apple. So if you are an Apple user, please subscribe to us on Apple. It means you never miss an episode. You'll get an alert when uh, this podcast or our weekly slam podcast comes out with Alex and George or our weekly all the gear podcast with Hannah and Jack. Um, so, yeah, thanks. That's Steve. It's good. Thanks Cheers, for giving Tom. up your evening. Can't wait for next week already. Exactly. Yeah. And I think if you've got if you've got things you'd like to hear us discuss or things you think uh, things that have been annoying you at your golf club or have been a sub subject of debate at your golf club, then do write in and uh, we'll try and cover it. Until next time. See you, mate. Cheers. <laughs>